Welcome to the Madcast. You're listening to a podcast that strives to bring the church world and the art world closer together. My name is Matt Anderson. I want to thank you for joining us today. And if you listen to me on Apple or iTunes, would certainly appreciate a five-star rating and review. It is very helpful to us. Well, today is the fourth and final installment of a series we've been doing called The Masked Artist. We have been examining the masks that we wear sometimes as artists. Uh, In the first episode, we discussed where those come from. In the second, we discussed specific masks uh, of comic and tragic nature that we wear in life that hurt our creativity. And then in the third installment, we talked about the verts. We talked about uh, being introverted and extroverted, how we're wired by God, but we can't wear a mask with those that keep us from doing what we need to do in life and being creative. Being an artist, being a creative, I think, brings unfortunate demands on the artist. Uh, We are asked to do what people in many other professions do not have to do. We absolutely cannot be distant from our work. In fact, the work we create is personal. I mean, you'll, you'll hear folks say, hey, hey, it's just business. Um, not for the artist, it isn't. Or at least it shouldn't be. It's very personal. Even though we, we try not to take criticism personally, But the reason why creating is so dangerous is because, I mean, that's us in there to one degree or another. Uh, In whatever genre of art, we are in it. Um, My mind goes to those who are in the film industry, especially major cinematic releases. And sometimes these movies are in the pipeline for years and years, trying to get financing, trying to get the right script, the right director, and then all the casting and and on down the line. And they work on it for years and years and years, release it, only to have people on Rotten Tomatoes look at it for two hours and just destroy it. And you think, oh, oh my word, they put so much of their life into that thing, and now suddenly it's a memory. It's rough to put ourselves in the content, but we cannot be distant from our work. It just, it just doesn't work that way. And so often, I think the easiest thing to do is to put a barrier between our heart and our art. We try to create, but yet protect ourselves at the same time. And I, I just want to say, if you're thinking of going there, if you've had some bad artistic experiences, if things that you have made haven't been received all that well, I want to save you the time and effort. Please don't do that. Don't, don't put the barrier up because it doesn't work. Uh, because if you think it's tough now, if you try to create things without you involved, and by the way, let me just say, that could be the source of some of your creative issues too. Are you really putting yourself in there or are you holding back? 
Are you hedging your bets, as we say? Because if, if our heart and soul aren't in it, it won't connect. Because we're not even connected with it. How in the world can we expect the general public to be connected with what we're making? So in this last episode of this series, uh, we're talking about transparency. Because there has to be a degree of vulnerability and transparency in art. It absolutely has to be there. I mean, to me, creating is sort of a lot like relationships. You can't do relationships unless you're willing to get hurt. The only way that we never get hurt in relationships is by never loving. Can't have one without the other. And creating is the same way. You can't just create but not have your heart in it and not put an element of you on the canvas or on film or on the page or on stage. We can't just hold our cards close to our chest. We actually have to play some of them. We have to take godly led chances with our pain, with the trials that we have been through so that others can be affected and transformed. Really, I, I think it's a full redemptive circle. It's, it's the old, uh, my mind goes back to Joseph in the Old Testament and the trials he went through as his brothers, many of them wanted to kill him out of jealousy, but they ended up selling him into slavery, thinking that was the end of him. And then he was falsely accused of rape and spent years in prison wondering, you know, had to wonder where God was. And then through a series of amazing events, ended up being number two in the kingdom of Egypt. And one of the things that Joseph said when he was reunited with his brothers was what, you know, what the devil and what the enemy meant for evil, God meant for good. Art, I think, is supposed to portray that, that whatever evil we have encountered as artists, there must be a redemptive reason for it rather than just for us to claim we're a victim. There must be a creative reason for that. And we have to play those cards if we really want it to count in our creating. Even if we're performing somebody else's material, we need to find a way to personally connect with it. You know, actors often use the method, and that's where they have to put even things that they've gone through as a kid, tragedies, and, and able to go there emotionally uh, on stage or on camera. So we can never be distant from our material. And let me just say a word to my preacher friends out there. Don't always be the hero of your stories. You know, the illustrations and stories that you give from the pulpit. Your congregation needs to know that you also can't stand being in traffic. And that time you were kind of short with somebody from customer service because you had had a, a rough day. People just need to know the humanity of that guy up there. Can I give you a couple of examples from Paul's life, from the, uh, from the Word of God? You know, in Romans 7, there's a really famous section near the end of the chapter in which Paul talks about wanting to do the things of God, but he <laughs> ends up doing the things he doesn't want to do. Um, verse 15 says, For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do 
what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Now, if I do what I do not want, I agree with the law that it is good. So now it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. Paul's being super honest here. And isn't it comforting to know that Paul is human? I mean, he, you know, we've put him almost on a deified status for his actions in the New Testament. Um, but isn't it comforting to know that he's a real guy? Now, I don't mean that in sort of a, you know, good, now I can just stay the way I am, you know, kind of way. I don't, I don't mean that. I mean, it just humanizes Paul. His transparency allows us to connect with him and helps us to understand that he went through the same battles at heart that we do. And look what was possible through his life. I want to look at one other instance, though, in Scripture of his life that's, I think, even more personal. It's in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and here's what Paul says in verse 7. So to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times, Paul writes, I begged the Lord to take it away. Each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Boy, think about that. Paul says, even in my most weakest places, this is the point at which God can show up and show humanity. This is what God can do through a weak person, through their vulnerabilities, through their transparency. We see God taking what could hold somebody back and take them to a whole different place. You know, maybe the greatest apostle ever is sharing his vulnerability with his readers. I mean, he's opening up his life as a way of telling them, our weaknesses aren't something to run from. It's an opportunity for God to show how strong he is in our life. And for 2,000 years, people have speculated on what his thorn was, his thorn in the flesh, that messenger of Satan. To me, it's a waste of time. It's not necessary. I remember when I published my novel a few years ago, I had well-meaning folks asking me, how much of you is in there? <laughs> and I would only respond, there's a little. People are curious, and there's a few amateur Sigmund Freuds out there who will always try to use their Psych 101 knowledge to analyze us to death. But don't let that deter you. And unfortunately, it is inescapable. If we really want to connect, if we really want our art to make a difference, there has to be transparency. We need to open up vulnerable places in our heart and give people the chance to embrace it or, yep, reject it. Now, I think there is a method to all of this that we need to explore because I think it will help us determine how to go about it and how much should we share and how much actually is too much. 
Well, hey there, Eli. What's wrong with you there? You look so glum. What's going on? Ah, Levi, I I got caught up working in the field, and now I'm going to be late for the family dinner five miles away. No way I can walk that fast. Well, I tell you what you got to do. You got to call a neighbor. A neighbor? Which neighbor? No, not neighbor. Aber. It's the new rideshare service for the Amish. Well, how does it work? Well, take your situation. You, you got a long way to go, right? And a short time to get there. Just do this. Hey, Aber. <laughs> and just like that, you got yourself an Aber. That's amazing. Well, now Princess can uh, get you where you need to go. So you're late for the community barn raising? Call an neighbor. Want to arrive at the uh, square dance in style? Eh, just call an neighbor. But how do I pay? Well, Princess here, she ain't too particular. Just throw an apple her way and she'll just take care of the rest. Yeah, so climb aboard there, Eli, before they start passing the roasted chicken. I have a feeling I'm going to rate this trip five churns. <coughs> Aber, we put a whole new meaning to German engineering. So we've determined that we do not want to hide behind a mask of invulnerability, that nothing gets to us, that we're living higher and above, that we don't deal with the problems that other people deal with. We need to be real and human in what we create. But where do we find the balance between not sharing enough and too much? Um, because there is definitely a lot of TMI out there. Um, a lot of it is found on social media and YouTube. Um, you know, you'll see a kid who's just mad at their parents and going off on them on camera, and then they post it. And all you can do when you watch it is just be thankful they're not your kid. <laughs> that, that would be under the too much category. Um, it's almost just like verbal vomiting at that point. I think there is a method to the madness of transparency. Vulnerability needs a purpose and it needs a method. Otherwise, it is just madness. And that starts with having a relationship with Christ, knowing who he is as your savior, and then having an honest, ongoing I would say conversational relationship with Christ. I need to be vulnerable with him first. We are not going to know what's appropriate if he's not involved, which means I need to confess my sins to him. I need to be honest about them. 
the great thing is with Jesus, everything is appropriate. There's no such thing as TMI when it comes to the Lord. And yeah, he already knows, but there is something about us acknowledging it and confessing it to him that is very helpful in cleansing. Um, and I know this isn't necessarily a law across the board per se, but when I find people sharing too much information or they're sharing it in an inappropriate fashion, usually it means Jesus is not involved in the process. So again, you know, I used to say this to uh, younger preachers because uh, some of them would share too much and they, in, in, in wanting to be authentic from the pulpit. But I would say, look, give Jesus everything. Don't have your quiet time in the pulpit. In other words, save that stuff for your devotional life. Because <laughs> a lot of that doesn't need to make it to the pulpit when you're preaching. There is, this, uh, there is this wonderful thing about confession. And if you look in the New Testament, uh, in the Greek, the word confession means this, to say the same thing. Isn't that interesting? Because I thought confession would be to admit, to admit wrong, something like that. <clears throat> but in the New Testament, the, the Greek word there, or as originally written, to say the same thing. So wh what does that mean? Well, imagine uh, some of these kind of reality police shows that, at least the ones still on the air, uh, I love watching actual interrogations. And sometimes you'll have shows that uh, there will be a murder suspect in the interrogation room. And the detective has done all the work necessary and really firmly believes this is the killer. And you'll see the, you know, the actual video taken in the room while they're talking. Here's the thing. Here's how it works. A confession occurs when the suspect says the same thing as the detective. The detective says, I believe you murdered that person. And a confession is them saying, yes, that is what I did to say the same thing. So when we confess our sins to God, we are saying the same thing about our sin that God is. We're not excusing it. We're not trying to find little escape hatches, but yeah, I came from a dysfunctional home or, uh, you know, any, any of the little pet excuses we use to let ourselves off the hook. We need to know from God's word and his principles, what's true and what isn't, what's sin. And then we need to say the same thing that God is saying. That is true confession. And what I think happens in the confession process is that the Lord works through that to then help us to understand what things need to just stay there with him, which is probably most of it, and then what things need to be shared with others. Uh, maybe there's a reconciliation that needs to happen with another person. I've certainly had that happen many times as I've been talking to the Lord and confessing the Lord will say, all right, now you know you got to tell that person, right? Because you directly affected them. The Lord will use those confession times to show us, now go to this person with that and fix this issue. 
So I think when we're honest with the Lord, it just has to start there. Otherwise, we're going to take all the stuff meant for the Lord, and we're just going to throw it at our audience, and the audience is just going to be horrified, whoever it is. They're going to be like, whoa, okay, hey, thanks for that. Is there a curtain that we can pull in front? And we'll think we're being such great, authentic artists when we're just being inappropriate. And that's because we haven't allowed God to filter out what stays with him and what goes forward. Now, from there, the Lord might want us to take something that we've encountered with him and share it then with humanity in a creative way. You know, and maybe that first starts with our close friends. And because, uh, again, you know, I, I have a handful of really close friends, but I don't tell them everything. Only Jesus gets everything. But there are those people who do get most things. And sometimes in, in doing that as friends, it can lead to wonderful opportunities to minister to one another. And it gives me a chance to get prayed for by a friend of mine, which obviously the Lord loves. Uh, sometimes our stories can really bring a lot of encouragement to people who are closest to us, who won't be freaked out by it. And then from there, the Lord might say, this is something that other people need to know. This is something that needs to go in your next work, in your next project. Because you realize other people need to take that, that same journey. I remember an instance that uh, I had just moved to a new city. And, well, actually, this was a couple years afterwards. Because I was, uh, here we go. <laughs> I was actually stealing free internet from one of my neighbors. And uh, this is back in the day when not everybody had passwords on their Wi-Fi. And I lived in an apartment and some wonderful person uh, had a, didn't have a password. So I was using their free Wi-Fi. <laughs> and uh, eventually whoever that dear person was uh, moved and so I called the cable company to get Wi-Fi in my house. And it was hilarious because when the guy showed up, he comes in, he goes, uh, so uh, can't get any more free internet, huh? That was all. I'm not kidding you. It was almost the first thing out of his mouth. And I laughed my head off. I'm like, oh, man, you got me. And I really, really connected with this guy. And he had a wild story. He was wearing this huge knee brace. And I remember asking him, I said, now, do you wear that just for work? Is that like preventative or is that because of an injury? And he told me that he had fought in Iraq and suffered permanent knee damage. And for whatever reason, uh, the Veterans Administration was not going to pay for uh, the health care of that. And my heart really went out to him. Um. I think he had lived in New Mexico. He was like a bouncer in New Mexico or this guy was wild, man. Um, but my heart really went out to him. And the Lord, as I'm just in the living room, the Lord is saying, you need to share the love of Christ with him. And I, I would love to make up the end of this story and tell you that um, I just really took a chance and shared that, and, and he, he prayed to Jesus before he left my apartment. The truth is, I was um, weak and spineless, and I didn't say anything. 
And I let an eternal opportunity go past me. I cared more about myself and my pride than his soul. You're sitting there like, why are you telling us this story? Because this is an example of something from my life that I think other people needed to hear. Because when I went to the Lord shortly after that, obviously it was, it was on my mind. I couldn't shake it. And through that conversation and through that confession, because I had been disobedient, the Lord struck it on my heart and said, other people need to know this, Matt. Other people need to know that that guy up on the stage uh, at church preaching doesn't always get it right. And so other people in the room who have had other opportunities that they let go by will connect with that. And not as a way of relieving their guilt or, you know, it's, it's nothing like that, but it, it humanizes things and it helps people to understand that it happens to all of us and that I hopefully won't let that happen again. And to me, that's, for me, that was appropriate transparency. And that was something that not only share from uh, the stage of a church, but here on this podcast. Because, you know, you're always going to get folks who are severely disappointed (laughs) when they hear a story like that. And that's the chance we take. But the risk reward is, is too great because those who can be encouraged to know, okay, God still loves me and he'll still give me more chances. Even though I blew that one, I'm not in the penalty box. And the grace of Jesus is still real. And if we're just obedient, we can even use those moments of our life that God directs, regardless of what critics might say. It has the potential to encourage and transform lives. And by the way, remember the vulnerability of Jesus. I mean, no one put himself in a more vulnerable state as he did. Barely if he even was clothed, hanging on a cross for the gathered masses to say what they want, and many spat at him and cursed him, and he sat there and took the whole thing, and his, his arms were literally stretched out wide. He was as vulnerable as a person could be, because that's what it took to give us salvation. And if nothing else, I realized that the vulnerability of Jesus, the transparency of Jesus, allows me to be doing this today and to know that eternity is waiting for me. Well, we appreciate you being a part of the MacCast. Our theme music is by Sound of Fusion. We hope to see you again soon. This has been a production of Monumental Ministries. For more information about our books and resources, we'd love for you to go to mattministry.com. Hey, thanks for having me over. I had a wonderful time.